Coming up on podcast 1710, Peugeot will add five new EVs by 2025. Stick around and I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, why we need more EV chargers, Mazda make the MX-30 worse, somehow, and Ford and SK have some battery news in Turkey. Those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today, so keep listening. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. For Tuesday, 10th of January, my name is Martin Lee. And I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with a couple of bits of news you'll want to know about, and that is firstly a couple of recalls. So get them back to the dealer. If it's not an over-the-air update thing, BMW want 14,000 of their EVs back because of a software malfunction that could cause the traction battery to stop working. That'll be i4s, i7s, iXs as well. The high-voltage battery control unit, they say, during operation, uh, will have a, a, a misdiagnosis. And it can occur, they say, uh, which will cause it to uh, to shut down. Less good when you're out and about. And Volkswagen as well saying, can we have some ID4s back, please? Uh, there are about a 1,000 of them on the roads. This isn't a serious issue. It's the 12-volt battery, so no real risk here, 12 volts. Uh, but just to do with the way the wiring loom was designed, it can rub on the steering column uh, before they did it properly i suppose or rerouted it ah, about a thousand vehicles i think i've got to go back so worth knowing if you are a driver of either of those all right let's start with the headline story then and peugeot is launching five new electric versions of their existing models in the next two years before the middle of the decade before a new family of what they call bev natives in other words using some new technology but for now these cars are all using what's out there on the roads right now so we've got electric versions of the 208 the 2008 the 308 and the rifter that's a van and they will have more models coming an all-electric version of the coupe suv if such a segment ever needed to be defined. The Peugeot 408, really nice looking car, actually. That's in the works, according to autocar.co.uk. Also, new electric versions of their 3008 and 5008 SUV. That's the big SUV uh, with an updated version of the current ones on the road. So the E208, E2008 and E-Rifter all getting updates as well. And the E308, the Peugeot 308, really important segment car. E308 launching, I think, sometime in the first half of this year. That makes Peugeot well-placed to rival its best-selling EV competitors in Europe, the likes of the Kia Niro, the Hyundai Kona, Tesla Model Y, Volkswagen ID4. Yeah, yeah, but look, the Model Y is not a competitor to the vehicles we just talked about. Peugeot sells their combustion stuff a lot on price and on value as well. Now, their EV stuff is more expensive, but... They're not competing with £60,000 Tesla Model Ys. And so it's very much more a Nero or Kona competitor, those family cars going all electric. I think until the middle of the decade, they'll be pretty much using what they've got in their locker. So 51 kilowatt hour batteries, 156 brake horsepower motors. And so maybe an update, a tweak that I don't know about on those. But I think that's probably it doesn't set the world alight, those specs, which have been around a while now. But I think an update coming by the middle of the decade. Now let's move on. And Mazda have somehow managed to make their MX-30 even worse. How was that possible? It was already the worst EV that you could buy. Sorry, Mazda MX-30 owners. Uh, I saw a chap charging the other day. And uh, and I thought, oh, I feel a bit bad about saying nasty things. Because it's a nice looking car. It does look, it does, I think, styled very nicely. The interior is good. It's got the 
however you want to call it, suicide doors, uh, but those style doors. Really cool car when you look at it. It's just, it has 100 miles of range on the US EPA test cycle. And frankly, a brand new EV with a 35.5 kilowatt hour battery and 100 miles of range just does not cut it. Unless your use case is to go 50 miles a day. Because then by the time you've factored in some elevation or cold weather, where range will go down on all EVs, you know, 50 miles a day, then that's fine. I, I just, the problem is the Mazda MX-30 is really expensive for that amount of miles. Just get yourself a 10-year-old Nissan Leaf and be done with it if you want a, a car to poodle around town. However, later this week at the Brussels Motor Show, Mazda will show off their new MX-30, and they've made the EV even worse by adding an engine to it. Mazda have been scratching their heads of working out what to do with their rotary engines. And now they have a solution because they've got all this technology you know, they're big fans of the rotary engine. Interesting technology. Didn't really take off, did it? Because it wasn't as efficient uh, in terms of combustion, but very compact in terms of horsepower per size. And rotary engines are kind of interesting. Call them wankles, if you will. However, Mazda has said that they will be unveiling their, what they call the plug-in hybrid. So they made an EV and actually went backwards. Well done, Mazda. So they made a full EV in the MX-30, and now we're making it worse, they'll say better, by adding an engine, and we're calling it a PHEV. So they've gone backwards. Uh, either way, uh, it is it is a, uh, a series hybrid, or a serial hybrid. And so uh, the engine is a range extender. It, the engine simply creates... It's a generator. It simply creates electricity to charge the battery... But the battery is smaller. So because the engine, which is, it's a it's a big engine bay in the MX-30, but because the MX-30's battery needs to be taken out in order to fit more combustion stuff in, and the big fuel tank, so now they haven't said what the new battery will be. I suppose we get that information on Thursday, I guess, uh, or Friday, whenever it is. And so we get a smaller battery and a plug socket and a fuel tank. They've made an eight-year-old BMW i3. Well done, Mazda. However, it's not coming to the US until maybe one day later. So, of course, even though the battery pack is smaller, therefore it will have, I don't know, like 50 miles of range or something. The trade-off is because you can then fill it with fuel to go further, which, which would be their argument. They say the rotary engine's been reborn for the electric age. No, it hasn't. It's still a rotary engine, and you've still got to put uh, dinosaur juice in it, and it's still going to cost you a fortune at the pump because all petrol cars do, and so you're simply making your EV a lot worse, Mazda. Why have they done this? Uh, they say uh, the new setup will fill up more of the current MX-30's engine bay, and the plug-in hybrid, as they call it, goes on sale in Europe in spring. Uh, however, not for the US model. The 2023 uh, model of the MX-30 is exactly the same. It hasn't got the, the rotary engine in, so it's 100 miles or 161 kilometres of range. No updates in the US market apart from the pricing, and it's got more expensive. So it now starts at 34110 so $34,000 without delivery, which is like a 1000 and change. So that's like almost, I don't know, it's like a 36, almost $35,000 car. Add the premium package, though, that's $3,000, and it's way more expensive than the 2022 model that is outgoing. Anyway, if you bought one, I'm sorry. I don't mean to harp on about it. They are, they are nice. Very nice to look at, like the internal styling. 
And and uh, going if you you know Robert Llewellyn fully charged review of the MX30 he loved it was full of praise I didn't necessarily agree with him on that one uh, right let's talk about Ford and SK cancelling a Gigafactory you don't hear about a Gigafactory not happening but according to South Korean media Ford and the South Korean battery company SK On have actually cancelled their plan to build a Gigafactory in Turkey it was promising all round really Ford are expanding their EVs in Europe all of the time Turkey would be a hotspot for the EV industry about 45 gigawatt hours per year of batteries coming out of that to power Fords in Europe. The transit's going to be a really big deal, all electric. However, they say no decision's been made, uh, but Ford has a strong vision of making 600,000 EVs in Europe by 2026. They're going to need some batteries for that. Now, how do EVs drive further with better air conditioning? Dakin, a very famous name in air conditioning, heat pumps, investing more than $75 million in a new plant to make low GWP refrigerant for EVs and the air conditioning that goes into EVs specifically to make them uh, more efficient, reducing the energy draw of the heating and cooling systems. Uh, research, they said, showed that the capacity of a heat pump system reduces by up to 40% using current technology when the ambients go down to minus 10 degrees Celsius, and this solves a significant problem there. So it's great to hear that even in the bits and bobs that aren't necessarily what we always focus on, battery size, power, etc., etc., EVs are getting better all of the time. They're making really big progress. Let's go to Brooklyn-based Revel and the electric mobility company announced in a press release yesterday they will multiply the number of available fast chargers for EVs in New York City, says smartcitiesdive.com. They write, the company said it intends to develop and open five new fast-charging super hubs across multiple boroughs to add 136 public charging stalls. That sounds great. I mean, more charging is always good. Great for New York City. Nice big hubs. Don't know how many are working, uh, uh, going to be at each of those, but the largest one will have 60 stalls. That's going to be in Queens, which is brilliant. Uh, there's the, the hubs in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. They're going to be a bit smaller. Uh, they're going to open by the end of the year. Revel also are trialing New York's first vehicle-to-grid system. I think it's just a trial for now. Lots of these trials are happening around the world, but I'll try and get an update on that for you at some point soon. All right, two more stories to go after a quick break. Stick around. And although we just talked about more charging stations coming to New York, the article from Business Insider that caught my attention today says eight times more EV charging stations are needed in the United States by the end of the decade. And that does seem kind of right. I don't know necessarily what that would look like, uh, whether it means lots of super hubs and massive stations of 40, 50 chargers, or whether you just put more of them spread out. I don't know how that looks in the US, but the US doesn't have nearly enough plugs to accommodate the coming influx, writes Business Insider. Charging infrastructure has been growing quickly over the past few years, but not fast enough. Now the country is reaching... It's getting towards a tipping point. 5% of new car sales were electric last year in the US. That is double what it was the previous year. I don't think 5% is a tipping point yet. When we talk about Norway at 90%, Germany at 55%, I know, amazing news yesterday. And um, specifically, the US needs to quadruple its charging infrastructure by 2025 because people are seeing long queues building at uh, Tesla supercharging stations and, and Electrify America. And people are queuing up to get a charge and we need more urgently. Four times by the middle of the decade, eight times what we have now by 2030. That means 
70,000 level 3 chargers deployed by the middle of the decade. 70,000 and 700,000 level 2s. Really interesting. What do you think is the optimal way of charging um, an EV in terms of the numbers? Because it's really easy. I see headlines all the time that I don't report on, by the way, because they're just sort of lazy, clickbaity stuff. Um, You know, we need more chargers for EVs. And the articles are always thin on the, you know, it's a headline and nothing else. The good articles, though, start to talk about that debate of, well, what? Yes, we need more plugs, but where do we need them? And what plug do we need? Because there is a dash to 350 kilowatt DC fast chargers. It's big, it's sexy, it's fast. But look, if there's a 150 kilowatt DC fast charger, it's going to be minutes slower than a 350. Because by the time you've plugged in, by the time your car has tapered and the charge speed has slowed down, between a 150 and the 350, very little difference, by the way, on most cars. And so, yeah, I mean, what what does that look like? What do we need? It's all well and good saying we need more plugs. But, yeah, what, what do we need? I would love, oh, man, can you imagine turning up to a car park and there's 200 slow chargers? I would either shop at that place every time. I'd either go bowling at that place every time. If you knew you were going to get a charge, 100%, because there's 100, 200 of these chargers, in every charging space. So some of them will be iced. Ah, big deal. If it was a a seven kilowatt post and I'm going to be there for two, three hours, I would happily pay whatever they are charging because EV charging is a little bit like snacking, isn't it? It's drip, drip, drip all the time. Uh, Or as Bjorn Newland, the Norwegian YouTuber, is always saying, ABC, always be charging. And so does it look like that? Or does it look like DC fast chargers, level three chargers? I, I I don't know. Different countries have, you know, they're different sizes. They need different things. I'd love to hear from you on that topic. Uh, 46% of US consumers surveyed last year for Deloitte cited public charging and a lack of the infrastructure as a barrier to buying an electric vehicle. Almost half of people asked. Now, final story and an extensive Tesla autopilot probe is going on in the US. The head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, I hear it called NHTSA, uh, told reporters on Monday yesterday the regulator is working really fast on an autopilot investigation. It's been open since August 2021. And, well, of course, what's a government agency good for if it's not taking 15 months so far to investigate something? In June, NHTSA upgraded to an engineering analysis uh, to the Tesla vehicles that have driver assistance systems like autopilot and particularly the cases they found that involved crashes into parked emergency vehicles. Tesla say, look, the system was disengaged at the time. Critics of that say, yeah, you disengaged it a second before you realized autopilot is about to go belly up. So you disengaged and then the accident happened. That's the criticism. Uh, That step was uh, necessary, they say, at NHTSA to open the investigation before they could demand a recall. They confirmed the agency is talking to Tesla about a tweet from Elon Musk on the 31st of December when he said that drivers who have been doing lots of miles with the full self-driving beta system will soon be able to disable what he called steering wheel nag and I think what regulators would call a very important alert system that instructs the driver to touch the wheel to let the car know, you know, you haven't died or anything elon musk responded update coming in january and so we'll wait and see i mean tesla 
does like to have a uh, bit of a frisky relationship with regulators. But always, always, always worth pointing out for new listeners. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast over the years. The way that the American auto industry regulates itself is the opposite of the aviation industry, which over here in Europe, in the EU at least, the EU regulators regulate the car industry and the aviation industry very similarly, which is you tell us what you'd like to do. We will have a look at the data, decide if it's safe and let you know if you can put a feature onto your cars. The American system is you can do what the hell you want. And then if they deem it unsafe at some point years down the line, that technology can be bad. Unlike the Federal Aviation Authority, which has a much more safety first approach. The auto insurance must be like a legacy reason or something to do with the US car industry, uh, where you're allowed to do what you want, really. Uh, and then I'll, you know, seek forgiveness later kind of thing so that's definitely uh one to watch i've seen lots of social media stuff lately about phantom braking it just seems like there's a real negativity machine operating around tesla um at the minute i think some of that's really unfair and i think some of it is justified like the phantom braking thing i experienced that and i the car is no excuse for that really do you know what i mean so uh that should be sorted we'll keep an eye on that right question of the week taking a break but it will return thanks to our premium partners of the podcast that'll be you phil roberts of electric future at ef.energy hi to brad crosby porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley and his ev review island youtube channel richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling evs in the uk if you fancy a new car in the uk or a used car that's new to you uh, check out richard at rsev.co.uk he'll look after you also octopus electric universe global public charging they make it so simple with one app and one map milbrookcottages.co.uk five-star luxury cottages in devon where you can charge up when you're on holiday and lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need have a good until tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid